Good morning, folks. Good to see everyone. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, I have some relatives. The only time I see them once a year is on Thanksgiving, so it's always nice to connect or reconnect. We're in a series. If you're new, we got some new folks here today. We talk about a topic for a couple weeks at a time. So we're going to talk about Crazy Like Us for three weeks. This is week two. If you missed last week, you can catch up either on Facebook or on our website. Today's topic is the standard American version, and that'll make sense hopefully in a few minutes. This series is, my, my goal in this series is to try and teach you to do something you think you know how to do, but you probably don't. And that's how to be generous, and hopefully you don't feel insulted because I said that. Um, generosity is more than what we think about. We call it random acts of giving. And every, I know most of you folks, you folks are really good at this. If I said there was an emergency, a family in a church, the house burned down, you would all give to that. Or, you know, the floods in Texas, you, you gave, you, we'd give to that. In fact, we just had this collection of these shoe boxes to go overseas. I didn't get the final count. It was like 130 just from you folks. And then over 800 were collected at our church um, from different sites and went on. And I don't know what it costs for one of those boxes. $25, $30 is $9 just for shipping, right? And so if you multiply that times you know, 130 that's thousands of dollars you all just gave, right? So you're good at random acts of giving. And I'm thankful for that. We couldn't operate as a, as a church without your random acts of giving. But I believe God wants us to step it up, uh, do something better, and that's to be generous, to organize our finances around generosity. And uh, if you're new especially, if you think, oh, they're just talking about money, I'm not going to try and get you to give anything. I'm going to try and teach you to do something, okay? So you can relax. <laughs> All right, so a couple of review things here. Generosity, we gave a definition last week, is, and here it is, and it's kind of... Uh, uh, Big words in it, but I'll try and explain it. Generosity is premeditated. That means you have a plan, right? It's not just random. You have a plan. It's calculated, so you figure it out exactly how much you're going to give. And then it's designated. Then you determine where you're going to give it, all right? So you figure out, you have a plan. You figure out how much you're going to give. You figure out where you're going to give it. Now, here's the cool part. It's an emancipation of my personal financial assets. It sets you free. Now, somebody asked me about this last week. Are you going to talk about being generous with your time or your talents? No, that's not what I'm talking about. But I've discovered if people are generous with their finances, they're generous with their time, almost always, with their time and their talents. That's a good thing, too. When you're generous, you are Free, you're guilt-free. You ever given because you felt guilty? Don't have to nod your head, right? You just felt guilty, so you gave. Uh, it's not about feeling guilty. It's not about somebody that's charismatic, kind of talking you into it, you know, uh, being motivated to give. It's not about being motivated to give. It's not about being guilt, guilty to give. It is free to give. And hopefully we'll explain that a little bit as we go along. <clears throat> so I gave you a promise last week. Actually, it's not my promise. It's God's promise. Here it is. When you become generous, not just random acts of giving, you will give more. It's a good thing. You will save more, which is a great thing, right? Seems counter, counter, uh, counter, 
intuitive, but it's true. And the reason is because you will consume less. Now, what we're talking about, if you're a Jesus follower, is not optional. And we're going to look at what we, what we read last week that Jesus said. Living generously is not optional for a Jesus follower. If you're not, we're delighted that you're here. And uh, we try and gear things around here for people that aren't really into, into God or into Jesus. But you can try this out. Because these principles are so great, they work even if you're not a Jesus follower. But it's still optional for you. But the other part of this promise was this. You'll give more, save more, consume less, and be happier. And that goes to what Jesus said. We looked at last week. Some of you may not know it's in the Bible or where it's at in the Bible or even that Jesus said it. But it's pretty familiar. It's in Acts actually chapter 20. And Paul is leaving some of his dear friends. He's never going to see them again. He says, here's what I want you to remember. The words of the Lord Jesus when Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than receive. Let me think, think about this way. Who are the happiest people you know? Are they stingy people or are they generous people? They're always generous people, right? It's more blessed to give than receive. Now, we're going to look at the average American. Now, I know you all are above average, but we're going to look at the, the average American this morning. And the average American will say 90% of Americans feel pressure when you talk about finances. They're financially pressured. Uh, we're going to use a word, and we're going to use kind of a, a graph here to kind of visualize what we're talking about, the average American. They f- worry about finances. And if I was to ask you to raise your hand, if you worry about your finances, many of you would put your hands up, right? I worry about if I can pay pay this, this bill or that bill. Uh, my kids are getting close to college age. Can I be able to afford to help, help them get through college? Uh, my car is breaking down. Can I afford to get a new car? Can I afford to get married? Can I afford to get, buy a house? Can I, can I, can I? So we worry about all these things. <clears throat> so here's the crazy thing. We're going to call this a crazy cycle. Here's the crazy thing about the average American. They worry about all these things with their finance. You know what they do? They spend more than they make. They spend more than they make. Well, that's kind of crazy, isn't it? If you're worried about having enough money to do something, why would you spend more than you can make? But it's true. And the result of that is what? If you spend more than you make, you have to obviously do what? Go into debt, all right? And we're talking about... Debt on things, we talked about last week, that decrease in value as soon as you bring them home. And if you're paying interest on it, you're paying, actually, the cost goes up and the value goes down. If I asked you if anybody wanted to do that, nobody would agree to that, right? I don't want to buy something the cost goes up and the value goes down. But we do it all the time. And here's the problem. Consequently, you and I have no margin in our finances, which means... When something unexpected comes along, we can't handle it. Car breaks down. Somebody gets sick. You lose some weeks at work, whatever it might be. No margin. Now, margin is so important to you and I uh, uh, mentally, emotionally. I don't bring a book up here. If you look at a book, isn't it interesting that the words don't go from the top to the bottom to side to side? There's all this white stuff at the top and on the sides and on the bottom. You know why that is? If they printed the whole page, you wouldn't buy that book. You wouldn't read that book because there's no margin. You, you mentally, emotionally, you can't handle all, all those words on a page. 
And in fact, the easiest books to read are the ones with the biggest margins, right? And the same thing in our finances, all aspects of your life, your time, your everything. We need margin. And so consequently, the average American has no margin. And so it causes pressure, it causes stress, it causes worry. Now, what are we actually worried about? This is kind of interesting. Most of you have food to eat. Anybody worried about having food to eat today? Anybody? Anybody worried about their house being cold today? Anybody worried about gas to get in your car to get home today? See, you see, none of us worried about today. So what is all this pressure about? It's about future consumption. Right? Future consumption. <clears throat> so again, worried about future consumption, so what do we do? Not only do we spend more than we make, we consume more than we can afford. Again, crazy, right? Doesn't seem to make sense. If I'm worried about it, why would I consume more than I can afford? So consequently, again, it brings us down to debt or consumer debt. And consequently, we have no margin, so we have no margin for what? For future consumption. And that's what we're really worried about. Will I have food a month from now? Will I have gas in my car a month from now? Will I have money to, for our kids to go to college a year for two years from now? For me, it's, will I have money to live in retirement? Some of you are even at that stage. Now, I might say to some of you younger folks, if you can learn this, your life will be so much better. It should be above average, the, the average American. So this is all about a mindset, a lifestyle, a way of thinking, a way of living. <clears throat> so I'm going to ask you some questions as we go around this, this circle, okay? How much more money we, it, you need to, to take in, receive, collect, to spend less than you make? 10% more? 20%? If you went to work and they gave you a 25% raise, would you be able to do that? 50% raise. You know what the answer is? There's no amount. There's no amount. I was going to get to this later, but I'll get to it now. <clears throat> Some of us have lived quite a while. Can't imagine that we'd be making as much money as we are now 20 years ago. If somebody told us 20 years ago, we're going to make this amount of money now, we would say they were crazy. And we certainly wouldn't think we'd have any financial pressure or worry making that much money. But what happens? You make more, what do you do? You see, you spend more. You make more, you spend more. Because it's a habit, it's a lifestyle, it's a way of living. So there is no answer to how much more. <clears throat> how much more then would it take income for you not to have debt? 10%, 20%, 50%, double your salary? No, <laughs> it wouldn't matter if you doubled your salary. Within an amount of time, what would happen? You'd still have debt. Because it's a lifestyle, it's a mindset. So how much more money would it take for you to have margin in your finances? Again, the answer, there is no answer. There is no amount of money. There are multi-millionaires that worry about money, right? So it's not about amount. And you might not believe this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. <clears throat> it's about something else. For example, self-control. You lack self-control if you spend more than you make, right? If I had self-control, I wouldn't do that. 
And part of the reason we don't is because we're not contented. And so contentment is the issue. I'm not contented, so I lack self-control, so I spend more than I make. I go into debt. So you're not going to especially like this next word. <laughs> we lack discipline, right? We lack discipline in our finances. We don't have a plan and stick to it. We, we can't or we don't or we won't stick to it. Now, again, if you're not a Jesus follower, you can ignore all this. But I would encourage you just to try it, to play along. Because we talk about being a Jesus follower, not particularly what you have to believe. Reason that being, how many people believed after Jesus was crucified? I mean, he had big crowds, got to the crucifixion, it was a little crowd. After the crucifixion, how, how small was the crowd? How many people were standing at the tomb counting down 10, 9, 8, 7, 6? Ah! How many? Zero. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> even his disciples, even his mom, Jesus' mom, nobody believed. So it's about following and learning to believe. So how can you and I stop worrying about finances? Well, it's not about money. Again, you're not going to believe this. It's a, for better word, for us, spiritual issue. It's not a financial issue at all. There's people with a little bit of money that don't worry. There's people with lots of money that do worry. So that's why we're calling this the crazy cycle. Because if anybody showed you this, you'd say that was crazy, wouldn't it? And yet many of us are living that way. So let me give you kind of a summation of the crazy cycle. More money does not generate more self-control, more discipline, or more contentment. It's kind of like an appetite. The more you feed an appetite, what does it do? It grows, right? It just grows. And so, if you and I lack self-control, discipline, and contentment, no matter how much we feed it, it's just going to get worse. It's not going to get better. So, another summation is this. More money does not eradicate worry. Like I said, I make more money now probably than I ever did in my life. Does that mean I don't worry about it? Hopefully I don't, but it doesn't guarantee that I won't. So why, simple question, why do we worry about finances? And I'm going to give this a title, it's not original with me. If the problem is this, the consumption assumption. So it kind of rhymes so you can remember, right? Consumption <laughs> assumption. The assumption is whatever you comes to you is for you. So when you get your paycheck, that whole paycheck's for me. So when I give you something, it's for me. The assumption is it's all for my consumption. It's for me. So we're going to look at a story that Jesus told. We call these parables. These are made-up stories. And this story isn't real. Now, it could have happened, but it didn't happen. Jesus is telling the story just to get across normally just one point. So we're not going to try and figure out all these details Jesus is trying to talk about. Now, Jesus talked about money a lot. We all talk about money a lot. We just don't like to talk about it in church for some reason. But Jesus talked about money a lot. We're going to get into kind of a middle of a conversation he's having about money. And then he's going to tell this story. And then he's going to have a point for us. All right? So here it is. It's in Luke chapter 12. And he starts off, well, in the middle of this conversation, he's saying, Beware. Be careful. Pay attention. Guard against every kind of greed. 
Now, if I ask all the greedy people in here to raise their hand, how many hands would I get? Uh, nobody raised their hand. None of you think yourself greedy. Nobody looks in a mirror and says, oh, that's a greedy person. We talk, what do we think, we think about greedy? We think about that person that's, you know, got all this money stacked up in their house and they're just counting it, right? And sticking it under a mattress, whatever. <clears throat> now, greed is something all of us can be, kind of ugly word too, right? Greed is the consumption of, <clears throat> Assumption, that's greed. It's all for me. It's all for me to consume. If I have a whole lot or you make me feel guilty, I'll give you a little bit of it. Then he goes on, life is not measured by how much you own. How do we measure life in our society? By how much you own, exactly, right? The great American dream, to have a house or a bigger house, whatever it might be. <clears throat> and what does that lead to? Leads to worry. Leads to worry. Because none of us really worry about basic needs, do we? Again, I, I'm not, I, we wouldn't have to buy any food for the next month. I wouldn't starve. Cupboards full and great refrigerators and freezers full of food. It's about a mindset, a habit, a lifestyle. So now he's going to tell us his story. So here we go. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. Now, again, we told you last week, you're all rich, right? According to the world's population, we're all like in 10, top 10, 5, 3% income level. So we're all rich. But this kind of makes me think of rich people get richer, you know, takes money to make money. So this guy's rich, he's a good businessman, and he's making more money, right? Which is a good thing. If you're a businessman, hopefully you're prosperous and, and you make more money. So then he says to himself, self. <laughs> what should I do about this? I don't have room for all my crops. Now, this made me think of, <clears throat> you look at American people and, and, and they buy a house and they don't have enough space so they finish off their basement and they don't have enough space, maybe they have a garage or built on a garage. So then they get this utility shed out back. You ever see these houses with three, two, three, four utility sheds out back? And then the thing you don't know is how many storage units off-site do they have for all their stuff? Now, if you've got a storage unit, I'm not picking on you. I'm just thinking it's kind of funny, right? We've got all this stuff. So what's this guy going to do? He's going to do what he always does, just like what you're going to do, what you always do. And if you get more money, you spend more money, go more into debt, that's exactly what this guy's going to do. So he's got money. He's made more money. What's he going to do? He said, I know what I'm going to do. I'll tear down my bars and build bigger ones. I'll buy, get some more storage units, right? <laughs> then I'll have enough room to store all my wheat and other goods. I got a place for everything. So what we think is, and I put this on your outline, I'm going to save it now so I can consume it later. So we have, you know, utility units and storage units and outbuildings and all this stuff put, to put all our stuff in, right? <clears throat> So the story goes on, and I'll sit back and say to myself, self, things are good. I have enough stored up for years to come. Now I can take it easy. Now is he going to really take it easy? He's going to keep doing what he always did. He worried about money, made more money, stored more money. What's he going to do? He's going to be just as consumed as he was before. But he's got, you know, 
he's thinking, ah, now I can relax. I can just eat, drink, and be married. Some of you have heard that before, right? It's in the Bible. It's not necessarily a thing that we're supposed to strive, to, strive for. <clears throat> but something else happens in the story. Something unexpected. But God said to him, you fool. Now, why did he call him a fool? Because he was a good businessman? That he, because he was rich? No. Because he was, for the best term I can think of, was confused <laughs> at best about what's valuable, what's, a, what's the purpose of life. He said, you fool. You will die this very night. Then, here's an interesting question, then who will get everything you work for? All this stuff he's got in his barn. Who's going to get it? Can he take it with him? Did it buy him more time? Nope. Somebody else is going to get it, right? Simple answer. Somebody else. See, you and I don't get credit for what <clears throat> we leave behind when we die. Because we all leave the same amount behind. Right? We leave it all behind. There's no U-Hauls after following hearses, as they say. We're all going to leave it up. So what do you get credit for? Well, you get credit for what you give away. So story ends this way. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. So what does that mean? Well, I give, I give God my time, my talents. No. That's not what he's talking about here. Again, single point. Is it, you know, in my prayer life? No, that's great. Should have a great prayer life, spend time with God. No, that's what he's talking about. Uh, serving, you know, serving in a church, cafe, singing, whatever. No, it's not talking about serving. What's he talking about? Giving financial assets. That's what he's talking about. Now think about it this way. <clears throat> if you want to be rich toward me, if you want your relationship, you want to be closer to me, you want our relationship to get richer in your relationship with me, you know how you can do that? By giving to those I love. Giving to my wife, giving to my kids, giving to my grandkids. You don't have to give to me, I, I, I could care less. But if you give to the ones I care about, I will, I will feel loved by you, right? I will. So generous people don't assume it's theirs to consume. It's a whole different mindset, right? Not the, the average American. <laughs> generous people do not assume it's theirs to consume. Another way to think about it is this. If it can be taken away, you never really owned it anyway, right? Kind of like if you've got a car payment, so if you don't pay a car payment, what happens? You say it's your car, if you don't make that payment, what happens? They take it away. House payments, same thing. You don't make your house payments, what do they do? They take it away. So what are we if we're not owners? We are managers. If you grew up in church, you can use that word steward, right? Stewardship. It's really what we're talking about are managers. Now, if you've got parents that are still alive, when your last parent dies, <clears throat> What happens to all their stuff? What happens to it all? 
Well, the siblings usually get a sum of it, right? And some of it might be valuable enough to sell. A bunch of it's probably taken to Goodwill, Salvation Army. And where does a lot of it wind up? In a dumpster somewhere. Let's be honest, right? The stuff that your parents thought was so valuable. They certainly couldn't take it with it. And nobody else considers it worth value at all. So here, I'm kind of put words in Jesus' mouth here. But Jesus, since it's all going to be taken away, why would you miss the opportunity to give it away? Pretty crazy, right? See, ownership is a myth. And the concept or thought of ownership just makes you discontented. Because I want a bigger house, a newer, more expensive car, computer, whatever it might be. So, this is really important. Generous people think like managers. Ah, this is just stuff for me to manage. I'm not going to be here forever. Eventually, I'm going to be gone. So I'm going to just manage what, I, what comes to me as best I can. See, I'm really not an owner. I'm really not a consumer. I'm a manager. Again, I'm trying to teach you how to think, not something to do. Now, a little caveat here. I kind of pick on people who sell cars and people who work for banks and credit card companies, etc. I don't have any folks, and I, I'm not going to cut into your profits. Nobody pays much attention to what I say anyway. I know that. And I don't have that big of an audience. And if you're doing honest work, uh, that's fine. Make as much money as you can. But the average American lives crazy. Just objectively look at it. It's crazy to live that way. And so we're saying crazy like us. There's a better crazy. It's to be a manager, to be generous. For most of you, you don't feel free financially. You worry about finances. Can you imagine what it would be like? Can you imagine what it would feel like? to be free, to not worry about finances, to be a generous person that manages and just gives it away. Jesus is our model, right? He gave his life away for you and I. We can give our stuff away, right? Next week, I'm going to try and give you some really practical ways to do that. We teach a class around here called Financial Peace University. It was for eight weeks or something, giving you practical steps. Many of you have taken that. I've taken it three times. I'm a slow learner, I guess. I've taken it three times. We'll be teaching that again if you want some help with that, or we'll, we'll help you even now if this is something uh, you really feel uh, you need help with. <clears throat> uh, we'll finish this up next week. Hopefully you can join us. I'm going to pray. We're going to have another song, and we're going to let you go. Ah, Father God, thank you. We thank you for the wisdom of Jesus. And he tells a simple story that really helps us to understand what's really valuable in life. It's not collecting stuff. Life is short. We can't take it with us. We don't get credit for how much we collect. We get credit for what we give. So God, I, I would just pray for each of us that we would uh, uh, develop this different, uh, better crazy. We give it away. We don't think of it as, uh, as ours. It's for our consumption. 
And we certainly won't get, do, get in this crazy cycle where we spend more than we make and get into debt and, and all that's involved. And that's a crazy way in a way. That's a, not free. That's a slavery. And God said, so I want to pray for these folks. I'm not trying to judge anybody. I'm just trying to help them to learn to, to be something, to be generous. And then the details on how to do that. As always, we want to invite anyone that's not a Jesus follower to start following. You don't have to believe all that stuff in the Bible yet. You don't even have to believe in the resurrection yet. Just begin to follow and see how these principles make you, your life better and make you better at life. That's the promise. Thank you, God, for Jesus who provided for us so generously. In his name we pray, amen.